Welcome to another episode of the Boston University Podcast, the podcast for dog people. If this is your first time listening, I'm John. I'm a former animal cruelty officer and animal shelter supervisor. And I'm Jamie, a certified dog trainer and canine behavioral consultant. On this episode, we discuss desensitization and its role in raising a happy, healthy dog. Another amazing accomplishment from one of PU's star pupils. And can dogs smell time? All that and more coming up next. So last week was super fun for us. We did a lot of dog-related things. Like, it pretty much took up all of our days off, which I actually, for once, being so busy on our on our three days off, I felt relaxed afterwards. I enjoyed it. I Surprisingly. Had a really good time. Yeah. So we actually had the Foster's Future Brunch. Uh, for those of you that don't know, John and I recently got asked to join the board of Foster's Future. And we are just so honored and so excited. And we've never been on a board before. So we're just like super pumped and ready to just induce so much change. And I think that's super exciting for us because we get to do it together. Uh, we are joining the board with our friend Crystal. Uh, she is wonderful. She is probably, I couldn't pick a better person to work with, mm-hmm. right? You agree? She's, you guys, if you listen to season one, we had an interview with her. Yes. I don't remember what episode it is off the top of the head, but uh, you can get to know her a little bit, listen to that interview, and get to know Foster's future a little bit. However, we are in 2020 probably going to double down and really nail what our mission is and what kind of role we want to fulfill in our community. Foster's Future original goal was to fund, you know, foster programs and give them resources that they need to succeed, like dog training, vet, mm-hmm. you know, vet care, so that foster-based rescues had another resource to get all their funding from. Now it's kind of transitioned into more of helping pets in need yeah. and their families. To st- and most of them is to stay out of the shelter system. So someone will contact Crystal and say, hey, you know, my aunt, she moved. She's really sick. She can't have her dog where she is. And we really don't want to put the dog in a shelter. Can you help? You know, well, what can we do with training help? Is the reason why the dog can't stay there because the dog isn't trained and is peeing all over the place or barking? Or is it just like a landlord issue and she needs a... a uh, foster for the meantime like right. and just- training is actually how we got involved with foster yes Future. we were retained as trainers for a dog named bane. who was it was it bane, bane. Was the it first was bane. One? Yeah. okay so for bane if you've been following foster future you know all about bane we were retained to train bane and we worked with him we did meets with him and crystal and that's how we met and it's just grown from there yes what else did we do last week uh aiden's interview yes that was awesome we actually have spoken about Aiden's dogs before. We talked about them in season one. Um, they are Beanie and Belly, and then there's Oreo. And unfortunately, Zavi has passed since. Um, he was a very old little boy. Um, he was like, I think, 18 years old. Wow. And uh, he lived a very good life. I expect nothing less from Megan's dogs, though. Megan takes such good care of her dogs. But we spoke about his dogs previously and, you know, all the transformation that they have made in it. And it really reflects the family. So we we love this family. We love them as clients. We love them as friends, as family. Aiden had reached out to me himself. I think he's like 14. He What a kid. He reached out to us and, you know, really wanted to do a school project on... I think animal rescue in general, Mm -hmm. Um, fostering, training, the shelter system, what's it like to work there, ACO. He interviewed John about being a humane police officer. 
all these different things. Like he wants to, I'm trying to uh, get him a little gig with somebody at the shelter so he can follow somebody that does ACO work so he can like see how like cats are trapped and neutered and released. But and this stuff. is a 14 year old. I know. I love it. Young man <laughs> whose passion is. Is animals. Is animals. And he's been watching us everything we do from afar. He's been supporting us. He wants to know what we're doing next. Mm-hmm. He's so excited that you're pregnant. I know. <laughs> Megan didn't tell him. So when we were interviewing, I mentioned the fact that I was pregnant and he was like shocked. Yeah, he was like so excited. He went home and told his mom. But, you know, I can't say how many calls I've gotten from Megan over the last two years of, okay, I'm outside with Aiden. We found a baby deer. What do we do? <laughs> and he's it, got a lot of compassion in his heart. It just cracks me up because he just wants to help so badly. But if that's the future, I think we're in good hands. I think so too. So we did an interview with him. He asked a bunch of amazing questions, like questions I would not expect from like a 14 year old. If he's even 14, I can't even remember. He grew so much since the last time I saw him. He's gotten so tall and we just had a blast talking with him. It was an honor and a privilege. So let's talk about this week's fun or weird fact of the week. I like that it's fun or weird. Yeah, because (laughs) usually it's both of them. Yeah. But They really get your mind going. Yes. So this week's fun fact, studies have shown that dogs can perceive the difference between short and long periods of time, but did not demonstrate a difference between two hours or four hours or five hours. So specific intervals, they didn't really show any difference in, you know, perceiving when their owner came home. Mm -hmm. But can they smell the passing of time? That's an interesting question. So that's currently hypothesized that dogs can determine time by the dissipation of scent particles. The same way working dogs follow a scent trail in the direction where it's strongest. So they lead you, you know, where the criminal or where the person you're trying to find is instead of where Mm -hmm. they were. That same principle is what we're applying here. It's hypothesized by a psychologist from Barnard College. Her name's Alexandra Horowitz. This is still in the hypothesis part. Mm -hmm. They're working on getting a study together. And it seems like the way they're going to perform this study would be using some type of artificial way to reintroduce the owner scent into the environment after a certain amount of times passed Mm -hmm. and then seeing if it changes the way the dog reacts. So they should use Oakley. (laughs) So let's say let's say they're leaving the dog for eight hours and about four hours in, they'll reintroduce the owner scent. Like what, like a spray bottle or something? Like from yeah, the I'm ceiling? Sh- or- I'm sure they'll find some way to yeah. do it. And then they'll compare the dog's reaction then at the like end of that Like if they're napping, hours. if they wake up or something like that? What they'll do is they'll see the dog's reaction. Okay. First, they'll, they'll assess the dog's reaction after eight hours. Mm-hmm. That'll be their control. Then they would reintroduce the owner's scent at four hours. And then another four hours are lapsed for a total of eight hours. And they'll compare how the dog reacts after that eight hours. Hmm. So if the dog is not as crazy, then obviously reintroducing the scent, they didn't perceive time passed as much. So that's the theory behind it. Interesting. So I'm sure in the next probably, you know, year or two, we're going to have a little more information about this, but it's interesting. Yeah. So you had a pretty cool topic for us this week. I do. And actually came to me last night. I was at a client's house. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned Honey before. She was actually rescued from a puppy mill. She is a puppy mill mama. Sweet as pie. That is why her name is Honey. It fits her so well. Uh, She is a golden retriever. She came to them very skittish. I mean, like the first three days, she literally sat in the living room on a blanket and didn't move because she didn't know what to do with herself. I'm pretty sure she was just kept in a crate. Their biggest issue is when people come in, she barks a lot. You know, she she doesn't have a mean bone in her body, but, you know, she she runs towards the door she'll scare somebody if she has to and then getting her in the car I think was like the biggest thing because like 
they want to take her places. She needs to get groomed because she gets longer and um, they want to take her to the park. They want to like be able to take her places and not have to trick her every single time, which is what they've been doing. So we were discussing it last night because she has to go to the groomer on, on this Friday. And I was like, all right, we haven't really done any too much work because we've just working on commands and getting her confidence up. So what they usually do, because their garage is on the side of their house, they live on a corner lot. So their garage is on the side of the house where they park their cars, but their front door is in the front of the house. What they do, and that's where they walk her in the morning out the front door, they will pull the car up into the front of the house and that's how they get her in. They trick her with a mm-hmm. walk. Every time. Every time and then get her in. So I'm thinking there, I'm like, I'm like, Honey is smart. And most of the dogs I'm dealing with are very intelligent because it's the ones that are smart that give you the biggest issues, the ones that have the most anxiety, the ones that have the most issues because they're constantly thinking. They're overthinkers. We need to be smarter than them. So I'm thinking if every single time they're trying to get her in the car, they're parking this car in front of the house and that's the only time they park it in front of the house, she's going to be like, I am totally not walking past that car. I know you're putting me in there. And if anything, if the car is all the way tucked on the side of the house, that might be the only time she sees the car. Exactly. Especially if they go out to the front and then go to the side yeah. and they never see the car. Exactly. So I suggested to them, I said, you know, we have to be smarter than her. That's that's the key. And you don't think about it at the time because you're just, you're just trying to get you through your day. And we don't, and I, I've mentioned this before, we don't put enough effort into these little things that we want to fix. So if you want to work on barking at the door, you want to like work on um, waiting at the door. You need to put the work in. And it's not just the times that people are coming over. You have to put the work in and really make it a part of your day. So I told them last night, I said, listen, I want you to make this part of your schedule. Like I want you to go into Google Calendar and I want, because she gets four walks a day. Use these walks. Park that car tonight before I leave. Put it in front of the house. It's going to stay there all week until Friday in the front of the house. So when she does her walk tomorrow, like today, she went for probably two walks by now because it's noon. Let her walk by it. And she doesn't go in the car. So she walked by that car, came back inside. Nothing happened. And I told them to go all through today, all four of her walks, passing the car, no issues whatsoever. When she passes the car, she gets treats. Tomorrow morning, I want them to do one or two walks, passing the car, no big deal, coming back on that third or second put her in the car five seconds literally get her in the car five seconds give her treats when she's in the car and let her get right back out put her in the car for five seconds and let her right back out and praise her like hell so she understands okay went in the car for five seconds nothing bad happened I got food I got praise and now I'm back in the house it's fine and I wanted them to do this periodically throughout the week until we get to Friday so on Friday, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. She's done this like 17 times already. And then she's going to the group. You're, you're basically changing the meaning of... Because right now, even though there is no meaning to it, she put a meaning to a car at the end of the walkway mm-hmm. in front of the house means that she's getting in it and she's going somewhere. And it's just getting in the car and out. When she's in the car, she lays down and she's fine. It's not like she's one of those dogs that's trembling or whining or freaking out. She's not happy. I wouldn't say that she's like... Right. Otherwise, it wouldn't stress her out if yeah. she was happy. Um, but she's not freaking out, which I, they're very lucky because most dogs, I mean, we've had a lot of clients that it's its awful to yeah. watch them in the car. But she she gets calm. She lays down. She doesn't lift her head up until like she feels like she needs to. And then she puts it right back down. So that's great. That's a plus that she doesn't freak out long periods in the, in the car. But it's getting her in and out. And I said, do you like she's a little bit older. Obviously, she was a puppy mill mom. She's had a lot of litters. Who knows? Maybe she's just having trouble. I said, have you tried a ramp or step? She goes, it's not really getting physically in the car. Like physically, she'll jump in. It's like it's getting the apprehension beforehand. It's getting her within the, the few feet of the car. She'll surrender. It's getting her into that that area of the car. 
to get her to surrender and be like, okay, I guess I'm just going in. Hmm. So that's the thing. So we just need to desensitize her being around the car in general. Right. And then that also brings my next thought is for, I'm sure a lot of people have problems getting their dogs into cars Mm -hmm. because every time they go in the car, they go to the vet. Yes. So it wouldn't hurt to introduce fun car rides. Or just driving around. Just go for a car ride. You don't have to go anywhere specifically. And you say, want to go for a car ride? Yeah. Treat, get in the car. We go, maybe we'll go somewhere they really like, get Mm -hmm. some ice cream, come home. And what you're doing is you're desensitizing to the car Mm -hmm. because they start to create these associations. And when they go to the vet, they're stressed out and they associate that emotion with being in the car. They might not even be thinking we're going to the vet. They're thinking, I know I don't like this. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Because they're not. And I, I try to explain this to our clients a lot. Dogs are very black and white. We but we're so used to being complex that we aren't thinking like dogs. We we don't think exactly like they're thinking. So if a dog is in the car and every single time they're in the car, they feel crappy because they in the in subconsciously they know they're going to the vet. They're not thinking I'm going to the vet. All they know is I feel crappy right now. And that's it. And that's and they're in the car. Every single time they're in the car, they feel crappy. Every single time they feel crappy, they're in the car. That's it. That's all they hear in their heads. And we need to become a little bit more accustomed to the way that dogs are thinking. They're not so cause and effect. It's they don't have this, you know, line of like, well, this happened, this happened, this happened. And then I I ended up here. It's not like that. It's it's exactly what they see and what they feel. And this same principle of desensitization could be used, or really should be used with muzzling. I am a huge advocate for every single dog being muzzle trained. And this is not, a lot of people don't like muzzles, a lot, and I get it. They look mean, they look aggressive, but here's the thing. I find that there is more value on your dog being desensitized to a muzzle than caring about what anybody else thinks about your dog. The reason why muzzle training is important is you could have the sweetest dog in the world. Oakley wouldn't hurt a fly. Not a fly. I mean, like, we rough him up when we play sometimes. He literally doesn't care. He is the sweetest thing. Um, he's gotten he's gotten bitten by other dogs during trainings and stuff. Like, sometimes they get aggressive. He's gotten nipped on the ear before. He's a very good boy. He does not retaliate. He's still waiting for his workers' comp check, by the way. <laughs> he is. <laughs> um... We have muzzle trained Oakley because God forbid, knock on wood, not going to do it because then you're going to hear it on on here and John's going to be mad at me because he has to edit it out. Um, Knock on wood, God forbid, he breaks his leg. He's in excruciating pain and he does not want to be touched. We would have to put a muzzle on him to keep the vet and vet tech safe. And I don't want the first time him putting a muzzle on to be when he's in excruciating pain and he's scared and that is when you get into really bad territory because you just ruined a muzzle for a dog forever now if you do that if that's if that's the situation that you're you know and this happens a lot where dogs are not muzzle trained they're in these situations they're injured they need help and people need to work with their bodies without getting bit and then the muzzle is ruined for them and it's really hard to desensitize after that if you put the work in now and just and make it what i always call it is the peanut butter mask Mm -hmm. it's not a muzzle it's a peanut butter mask you literally take that muzzle in your hand put the snoot part to your palm Smear peanut butter on the inside. Let your dog lick it out until it's done. You do that for three days straight. That mask is going to look like the coolest thing ever. You're not pressing it to the dog's face yet. You're literally just letting them lick the peanut butter out. Even if they're not putting their snout in the inside of it, 
lick it from the outside. Let them get accustomed to the muzzle to begin with and like this thing. Okay, cool. The muzzle's out. I'm getting peanut butter. This I've is- seen dogs do the happy dance when oh, the muzzle comes out. Love it. Then on that fourth day, maybe you're going to make sure their snout is inside of it and you're pushing it up a little bit where it's not completely pressed on their face, but it's definitely close enough where, you know, they're getting used to that, that feeling of it being around their snout. And then, you know, you do that like once or twice a day. And then on that fifth day, maybe, maybe you're getting it so close where you could clip it and maybe you're not clipping. Oh, oh, we have a dreamer. Hold on. Oakley's having a nightmare. Oakley, Oakley. Good boy. <laughs> I love him. He always looks like he just he has no idea where he is when he comes out of a dream. On that fifth day, maybe you're getting it, the muzzle close enough to the ears where you could clip it, but you're not clipping it. You're holding it in a way that it would be clipped, but you're not actually doing it. On the sixth day, maybe you're clipping it. You're clipping it for five seconds. Five seconds total. Unclipping it. Praise like hell. The next day, maybe it's 20 seconds and then a minute and then two minutes. And you're, you're extending the time, very short increments you're increasing each and every day. And you're praising like crazy when it's happening. So this is not a negative for them. Only great things happen when their muzzle is on. And that is how you desensitize a dog to something that can be utilized to keep them safe and other people safe. So we have muzzles, we have the car, and we could also bring in... John's laughing at me because I can't breathe because I'm seven months pregnant. You're making this difficult for me. <laughs> we could also talk about thunderstorms. Yeah. Like what we did with our dogs mm-hmm. is we, I'm going to give you a little break here. I'll do this one. Thank you. We would every night, and we did this by accident. We, we, I would like to take credit for it, but we're not even this smart. We did this by accident. Well, I would have to say it was you because you like to sleep with thunderstorms down because it. That's right. It was my idea. It was your idea. I knew that it would help. <laughs> it was by accident we i need thunderstorms playing so we play on our our amazon i'm not going to say it because if you're listening on one or have one near you it's going to set it off but <laughs> the little home assistant we play it we we say play thunderstorm sounds and we go to sleep to the sound of thunderstorms and our dogs sleep with us so pudge from a puppy opal from a puppy that's all they heard and oakley never really cared but that's all they hear every night while they're sleeping and that's a calm setting they're relaxed. They're with their family. They're they're going to bed for the night. I think subconsciously as well. Like <clears throat> if they're already asleep and then we turn it on, it's just right. it's just like meditation. It like just it's... becomes background noise. Mm-hmm. So now even the worst storm where where I'm even like, whoa, okay, that's a little loud. <laughs> where it makes me jump. Yeah. The dogs are still sleeping. They don't even pop their heads up. It's amazing. And we accidentally desensitize them to the sound of thunderstorms. We did a really good job with Pudge in general. The car, thunderstorms, kids. All accidental. All It really was because I was babysitting at the time when I was working at the shelter. When I was only part-time, I was babysitting as well. And Pudge was uh, a foster. She was only two, three weeks old when we had her. And uh, the littlest one that I babysit was three months old. So she grew up with babies. And so she's just amazing with kids. Yeah. So if you're listening and you have a puppy or you have a dog that's still impressionable, doesn't have these bad behaviors, now's the time to start working on them. Don't be lazy. Go for a car ride for fun. Go to the park. Go get some ice cream. Start muzzle training. Even if you think your dog will never need it, and good, maybe they will never need it, but at least they're muzzle trained so that, you know, God forbid something happens, they're going to be safe. Mm -hmm. They're not going to bite the vet. They're not going to get in trouble. You know, it's a muzzle is a tool for safety. It's never too early. It's never too early. I have tons. I had a client last night. I, I went for a consult. It's a puppy. He's like eight months old, but he's exhibiting really bad behaviors already. 
Um, and you know, they're like, well, is it, is it too, is it too late? And I'm like, no, it's not too late. And they're like, well, do you think it's too early? And I'm like, no, it's nope, never, too early. never too early. John had Pudge sitting for her food at three weeks old. It was absolutely ridiculous. She's a prodigy, but still. But she didn't, the way she moved, it was almost <laughs> like an animatronic. Like it wasn't lifelike at all. It was very like systematic. She was so stick-like. And I'd be like, I'd be like, sit. And she's just plop right down. <laughs> but don't waste time do everything now like i just said we had pudge in the car in a carrier since two weeks old she loves the car it's the best place ever for her do these things go go walking take your dog socializing like you have to do these things don't think oh we'll do that in a few months they're too young do it now yep speaking of desensitizing yes chance yes that's what we're doing with chance now isn't Mm -hmm. it it's exactly what we're doing with Chance now. Um, this is our accomplishment of the week. Yes. I'm. Ve- this one actually kind of brought tears to my eyes because this poor couple has been, you know, th- kind of through hell in the last month. They love this dog. They already had Oliver. They just adopted Chance. He was uh, an adopted dog from the South that needed to go home with another dog. He needed another dog to give him confidence. He is petrified of life, literally. So he was doing pretty good for like the first two weeks. And then Oliver, I think having a brother home, the firstborn is like got all this energy and like all of a sudden he has more confidence. So I don't know what happened, but he decided to get into a scuffle with a raccoon in the backyard. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was a lot of screaming from everybody, including the raccoon. Um, And unfortunately, Chance got to witness all of this after this did not want anything to do with going outside. Getting leashed up, anything. I don't blame them. Literally, all you want to do is pee and, pee and poo in the house. So they were like, this is not working for us. And I was like, no, I totally understand. Let's fix that. So even before having the consult with them, I had to like give them advice because they could not get this dog outside. All he wants to do is lay on the couch. That's his reset spot. A lot of dogs that are anxious have reset spots. Literally does not leave the couch ever. So, you know, we used a blanket to get him off the couch to kind of, you know, we don't want to scare him, but to get it, we had to. We didn't want to push him to the point of biting and you have to keep everybody safe. So I told him to use a blanket to kind of just kind of catty corner him off the couch to get him to go outside with mom. He had a really hard three weeks back and forth, back and forth. We were making progress one day and then two steps back the next day. And, you know, it was really hard on mom and dad. You know, coming home to pee and poo every day is not fun. When you have two full-grown dogs. Nope. That's all you think about when you've been out of the house for a while. You're like, oh, I wonder what my house looks like. Yep. Yep. And for them, like, you know, it's just in your nature to yell because you want to because you're so mad, but you can't because it's not his fault. So um, a lot of positive reinforcement, a lot of turkey and cheese later, um, we actually start him on CBD oil. Huge improvements. I got a text from her yesterday. I'm going to read it because I think it's wonderful. Um, I like when you guys get to hear from our clients and really hear what's going on. So Sunday morning uh, around 11, I got a text. Chance decided all on his own yesterday that the backyard was cool again. He went out the slider all on his own with Oliver, much to my shock. And I said, I am floored. <laughs> I literally was not expecting that because I had literally saw them two days prior. And uh, we were really just trying to get him outside for two seconds, treat him like hell, bring him inside. Get him outside, two more seconds, treat him like hell, bring him inside. We did that a couple times. And then by like the fourth time, he was like not having it. He was very stressed. So we cut it off. She also said, he's been going out and hanging out with Oliver. I've been working with him on coming out the door and getting treats on the deck too. She said, I was so shocked last night, stunned silence from me when he trotted right out after Oliver, like, oh, outside is cool. 
He's running around the, the yard as we speak. So much praise in Turkey. Oh my God. He got so much positive reinforcement and he's doing it all again today. That's awesome. Like you saw my face when I, when mm-hmm. I read it to you on the couch, like I had a tear in my eye. So the walls are down and now it's time to create a healthy association with outside. Yes. The, one of the other things that was a backtrack for him was the snow. That we had like a week ago. Yeah, he's like, what the hell is this? It was so on the Sunday of Thanksgiving, mom was home for like four days. So he was really enjoying mom being home and off of work. That was definitely helping him. So he was going outside. Then it snowed on Monday and he wanted nothing to do with going outside again. So I'm I'm really hoping that we can like for his sake, have a really like two good weeks of I know it's raining, but mm-hmm. I'll take I think he's OK with rain. Yeah. Just like subtle, like not a crazy week. And there's like, like there was a couple yelling outside and he was petrified of that. Like, I just want him to have some luck and like not run into any issues. So that's, that's my hope, but he's doing good. Keep our fingers crossed for him. Yes. He should be all right. Yes. I think a little bit of snow tonight into tomorrow, but nothing that's going to accumulate. Okay. I don't know what freaks him out. The accumulation of just falling from the sky. I'm not sure. But hopefully he'll be all right. I don't even know if he's ever seen snow before. He's from the South. All right. Real quick. Sarah on Instagram wants to know, why is our established dog now guarding after bringing a new puppy into the home? It's a common problem. It's very common. I, I immediately thought of Simba and Nala. Yes. So, this is very, it's, 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 it's kind of textbook, kind of not. But when you think about it, like from a very broad spectrum, if you're literally just thinking about the situation, what could possibly be what's going on? What, what are our options here? So, most likely it's just emotions in general. You know, the established dog is feeling insecure. Puppies usually get a lot of attention and that's attention that's pulled away from the established dog. So they're understanding, okay, this dog just got here. Nobody loves me anymore. Mm-hmm. Taking my toys, taking my food, a taking threat, a threat to my resources, taking my resources, my food, the food that's coming out of my canister in the pantry is now going into your bowl, which that could be for me. This is, these are all things that they see. We don't give them enough credit. They watch everything. They know what their daily life looks like. They know their routine and they know when it changes. That's the other thing. It's a threat to his routine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because puppies, I mean, they just throw a wrench in everything. So why wouldn't he have an emotional response to this? If you have a dog that is on, on the nervous side or, you know, on the anxious side or insecure side, this is something that you're going to be dealing with. Thankfully, we have a lot of dogs that really don't care, are super dog friendly, and they're just like, ooh, come on in. But again, the really smart dogs, the anxious dogs, the overthinkers, they're the ones who guard. Mm-hmm. She also gave a little more extra information. The older pup is eight, set in his ways, good around dogs, but snaps at the puppy when he has a bone. No rawhide or things of value, just nylon bone. So I'm not sure if she means she's not introducing things of higher value. Or if he doesn't, I would imagine it's just not. We're not there yet. Yeah, we're not giving, we're not setting them up to fail like that. Mm-hmm. So really right now it's just Nyla bones, which are really kind of low value for as far as. It unless depends it's a on the dog. One. Depends on the dog. Though. Right. And then on maybe, one, but maybe let me just throw this in there. Maybe she doesn't do raw hides or like high value stuff. So the Nyla bone is like the highest for him. True. It's, we need it's more information. Yeah. But on one hand, it is his bone and the puppy shouldn't take it. But on the other, I don't want him to accidentally hurt him, obviously. Yes. So, yeah, he needs, he's probably having some some problems with his confidence right now. Mm-hmm. And he could probably use a little extra TLC. Yes. No yelling when these things happen. I think that's our first thing. We always yell at the dog that's communicating, and it's not fair. They need to be able to tell the puppy and you, I'm uncomfortable. 
please help me with this situation because if I have to handle it myself, someone might get hurt. And that's that's where we come in. And this this goes for everything. Kids and dogs, dogs and dogs. You know, when dogs are guarding, never try to be forceful. And I think we discussed this last week. Never yeah, try we and be forceful. It's not going to end well. Your dominance will not make you win. I know in the movies and in theory, it sounds great, but it, it doesn't. So my advice to her would definitely be contacting a trainer that works on guarding and has a really good positive reinforcement way to handle this and not push it. She needs to to get involved and, and you know, get the puppy, call the puppy away and praise the dog when he has his Nyla bone. And, right. and, and that's the first step. Those are step. some things that she could do on her own. On her own. And is- if it persists, yeah, I would definitely... Reach out, check IAABC.org mm-hmm. yes. and check their list of behavioral consultants because you need something a little more than just regular dog training here. Yes. If it does persist and it gets worse, you need somebody that's you know certified by the IAABC to be a canine behavior consultant that can you know really dig deep and figure out what the triggers are and you know, there's keep no, everybody safe. There's no one right answer. You have to figure out what the problem right. is. But you you can set boundaries now. Yes. You can give lots of TLC to the eight-year-old and try and have them have a healthy relationship. And if no one needs to be playing with the Nyla bone, you can take it off the ground. It doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, This way you have one less thing for them to fight about if you're not paying attention. Absolutely. Good luck. I think you'll be just fine, though. It's a really common issue, and it tends to work itself out. You once, just need to be proactive about it. Once the two dogs create a bond, usually that kind of mm-hmm. stuff just kind of goes away. Absolutely. You just got to manage it for now. Like, Oakley does that. Oakley will have a bone, and Opal's being a little brat, and she tries to come over and take it from him, and she, he'll growl at her. And sometimes he'll let her take it. It depends yes, on his mood. It depends on his mood, but we never yell at him for the growling. I yell at Opal for trying to take his bone. <laughs> and I've said it. I said. It, I think I said it last time. Yeah. If you punish the growling, you punish the communication, you're taking the ticking away from a ticking time bomb. They're yep. still going to snap. They just won't give a warning. 100%. If you want your question answered on the podcast, head over to PostonUniversity.com forward slash learn, and you could submit your question to us. We will answer it. If we like it enough, we will put it on the podcast like we put Sarah's on. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate us five stars, and share with a friend if you'd like today's episode. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Possum University, and we're also on there at Possum Walks and Jay if you want to follow our dog walkers and all the awesome cute dogs that we have. And if you want to share your cute dog pictures with us, hashtag Possum University Podcast on Instagram. We will find it, like it, follow you. Definitely make sure you're using that hashtag when you make cute dog posts because we want to see them. And make sure you join us next week. We're going to be interviewing Dee Marie, who is the founder of Yogi Dog, the yogurt for dogs. Really cool interview coming up. So make sure that you stay tuned. And again, subscribe to our podcast. Give us five stars and share with a friend. And until next week. Class dismissed.